Hello, fellow aviators. My name is Todd Shelnut, designated pilot examiner for the Atlanta Flight Standards District Office, and I'll be talking to you today about how to use an electronic flight book on an FAA practical test. Now, when you're pre-flight planning, what you really should make sure of is that the device will meet all the requirements, the data must be current, and you must know how to use the program and the device. Now, if the EFB can reproduce the required information for a navigation log that includes your estimated time of arrival and your actual time of arrival, along with an FAA flight plan form, then the EFB may be used to perform this function. Otherwise, a paper navigation log and paper flight plan form should be used. Be prepared to explain the navigation log calculations to the examiner when you arrive at your exam. Now, planning a pilotage and dead reckoning route of flight with an EFB is possible, but printing the navigation log and the assigning names to the check marks is required since during this flight, you must record the difference between the pre-flight and the actual estimates. Now, the performance and weight and balance can be completed using the EFB also or other programs, but be prepared to explain the results to the examiner because what I'll be testing you on is to make sure that you understand the data that you've given to me. Now, first off, let's talk about the device battery life. The device should have enough battery life remaining to keep the device from running out of power during the test. Uh, the best practice is to make sure that the device has at least 50% charge remaining before takeoff and is allowed to go into standby or sleep after a few minutes of inactivity. Now, the EFB doesn't need to be on and displaying the chart for the entire test, just the parts of the test where you need to look at the charts. Set your EFB program to allow for sleep. Example, by default, ForeFlight, if you use that program, keeps the display turned on at all times unless you change the setting for sleep or you manually close it. The best practice is to keep sure the device has at least 50% charge remaining before takeoff and is allowed to go into standby or sleep mode after a few minutes of inactivity. Now, these devices are typically connected to a cigar, a lighter type, or power outlet for charging. But the use of these chargers is permitted as long as the charger is allowed to be plugged into the aircraft. For example, if you're flying the DA-20C1, then the power outlet is placarded for ground operations only. You wouldn't be able to use that one during flight. Some aircraft do not have such power outlets installed, and that also may be a factor. There are small pocket-sized external batteries for sale that will power your USB device. This should be considered a backup power supply in case you don't have that function in your airplane. Well, let's talk about storage of the device. You should have a leg strap or some other way of securing the device, a map pocket or the sidewall of an airplane, uh, when not being held in your hand. Since there is a PTS requirement for cockpit management on these tests, if you're having to constantly pick up your iPad because it got dropped in your lap or you're diverting your attention from the outside of the airplane to the inside of the airplane, a little bit too much simply because you can't keep your iPad steady, that wouldn't be good for maintaining PTS standards on cockpit management. Now let's talk about the redundancy. Although failure of this device is remote, it can happen and I have seen it happen. A lot of times this happens when it gets too hot, it'll go into an overheat mode and you'll actually see that will shut the device off. Uh, there should be some alternate way to navigate, find frequencies, etc. Uh, if the aircraft is equipped with a moving map GPS, this may provide the basic redundancy that you will need to finish a flight, depending on about how much information is available in the GPS's navigation database. If you're using the GNC 430 or any one of the Garmin products, which I have experience with, I don't have experience with a lot of the King moving map displays, but I can tell you that the Garmins, 
do produce a lot of information that is great for as a backup to your EFB. However, I would like for you to consider using paper backups in case the EFB were to fail. This is not required. It's just one way to provide redundancy. For this reason, some of the EFB subscriptions allow for multiple devices to be used. Example, ForeFlight will allow up to two iPads and one iPhone. Now, let's talk about the private pilot airplane single-engine land practical test if you're getting it for the initial. In other words, you're not getting an add-on like a, a single-engine add-on to your already private multi, okay? In Area Operation 7 of the PTS, which is Task A, pilotage and dead reckoning, you must follow a pre-planned course by reference to landmarks. Now this is going to require any GPS movie map centered feature to be off. This includes any EFB and any panel mounted GPS. So if I see a little airplane on your iPad or if you're on the moving map display on your GPS, that would not be what the PTS is calling for. It will also require any own ship function to be turned off for flight. Own ship is where the aircraft position is depicted on the chart. Any display of ground speed, course, or relative position to any navigation fixes must not be displayed during this task. You must be using your eyes, a map, a timer, a measuring device, and an E6B to determine you're on course, your ground speed, and your ETA to your destination. Once this task is completed, all of these wonderful features may be turned back on and used in the same way that any paper, map, plotter, and E6B would be used. So, here's a scenario. You're flying the airplane during the pilotage task on the private pilot test. The panel-mounted Garmin GNS430 will be set to the page that displays satellite strength and not show any page that shows navigational data. The point is that you are performing the task without the electronic device providing course, speed, or estimated time of arrival. In Area of Operation 7, Task B, Navigation Systems and Radar Services, the FAA PTS requires that you use an airborne electronic navigation system, such as the GNS430, or your VOR. This is an installed navigation system, such as the panel-mounted VOR, or the GPS, and this is not the portable electronic charting device. It is the panel-mounted avionics, which means that you also must show how to use those. Now, on your instrument airplane practical test, all features of these devices may be used. You can use any feature you'd like. There's no restrictions whatsoever. But if we're talking about the commercial pilot airplane single-engine land practical test for an initial issuance, which means the very first of commercial, whether it be multi-engine or whether it be single-engine, uh, in Area of Operation 7, Task A, Pilotage and Dead Reckoning, you must follow a pre-planned course by reference to landmarks. So just like you did with the private pilot, this is going to require any GPS movie map centering feature to be turned off. This includes any EFB information and any panel-mounted GPS data. It will also require that any of the own ship function to be turned off for flight. Any display of ground speed, course, or relative position to any navigation fixes must not be displayed during this task. You must be using your eyes, the map, a timer, a measuring device, and an E6B to determine you are on course, your ground speed, and your ETA to your destination. Now, once this task is completed, again, all of these great wonderful features may be turned back on and used in the same way that you would use any other task beforehand. 
Now, if you're doing the commercial pilot airplane multi-engine additional issuance, then any of these features may be used. Again, it's the additional issuance. The PTS does not require any form of navigation to be done upon this check ride. Now, if you're taking the now, if you're doing the airline transport pilot single and multi-engine land initial and additional issuances, all features of this device may be used along with the certified flight instructor for airplanes single and multi-engine land. Any additional issuances and renewals, reinstatements of that may also be used. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast today. It's a very short one today, but very valuable information concerning the electronic flight bag which you would be using in the airplane. Very common source of, of information today. Uh, what I'd like to wrap it up with is just to tell you that if you don't know how to use it, it can be a great hindrance in the airplane. So make sure that you set that thing to a test mode if it has one and to sit down and play with it and make sure that you understand it. Again, my name is Todd Sheldon. I am a designated pilot examiner for the Atlanta Flight Standards District Office in Atlanta, Georgia, and I look forward to doing your next check ride.